if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's guest on Horse Chat is Kim Logue, who's the host of Hoof Beats Radio in Guelph in Canada. But before we get started, I just want to remind you about the vision of International Horse College. The vision is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people. If you've got the same vision as International Horse College, have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, Kim, I'm pretty excited to talk to you today, all the way from Guelph in Canada, and talking about radio, you know, with podcasts, radio. People used to ask me, what's a podcast anyway? And I'd sort of say, well, it's like an online radio show. And as soon as I said radio, they understood But, you know, when I first started podcasting, the word podcast was fairly new to the ears of a lot of people. It's true. It's so true. Now, your favourite inspirational quote, Kim. I've got it here, but you tell me, because sometimes people get on and they tell me this is their favourite inspirational quote when they first, you know, organised to come on. And then a few days later, a few weeks later, they say, oh, no, this is my favourite inspirational quote now. So tell us what you think. There's always so many to choose from, but I like that one about the secret. There is no secret as close as that between a horse and their rider. Yep, yep, yep. I just love that one because there is a special intimacy with the horse that you don't get with other animals, even if you're an animal lover. Mm. So it just captures that relationship with the magical beings that we all love so much. Definitely, definitely. You just watch even just young girls that come and they may not have been very close to a horse before, but they come and they're ready for their first lesson and they've got to come up and have that bit of a conversation with the horse before they actually get started, you know? And you think about therapeutic riding associations. I mean, it's therapeutic for many, many, many reasons. Yes, 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 I agree, yeah. Kim, tell us a little bit about the radio show. So I started it many, many, many years ago. I was um, a horse person all my life. You know, I was one of those girls that you just described in love with the horses wherever I could see them. Yep. And I got riding lessons and got started. And um, I had a career in banking at the same time. So as an adult, I was eventing and I had. Um, a corporate sponsorship. So I had somebody who had a horse that I rode and she helped me. Well, she insisted actually that I compete him. And um, she was helping us with our training expenses and our showing expenses. And I was doing all of that on the side of my career. And when I needed to transition out of that career, I thought I'm going to go do things with horses. Mm-hmm. And um, I took a a course by a more local online horse college that we have here in Guelph. I took an equine journalism course at that time and decided to get certified in Canada as an instructor. 
And I thought, well, you know, I have a lot of friends in media. I have a lot of friends that are musicians and they're doing media all the time. I think I could handle learning to be media. And so CFRU at the University of Guelph offers a free orientation and training program. And I thought that I would take that and start a show because I don't want another degree or diploma. I just want to do stuff Yep. and to horse people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I'd started as a volunteer endeavor. Like I always say a hundred years ago, but I think it was like in 2007 and it's evolved. It's been a changing, changing thing. And now I need to start copying your model (laughs) and become a podcast. So I feel it's cheating, but I have a lot of questions for you about the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. The podcast, I think the reason I prefer it to radio is you keep going. You've got it. You know, you can go back, you can go over all the old shows. And I do notice that a lot of radio shows are also putting their old shows on podcasts. They're starting to do that more. Yeah. And you started in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So what, like, can, can you tell me about like what got you started? Um, I, I actually went on, you know, because we've got the International Horse College. So it's not, yeah. people think, oh, but it's all online. It's not online. You know, they're still practical. So we use a lot of the practical and we use a lot of coach and experts in different areas to do the practical for us. So while we do the theory online and a lot of right. the preparation for practical, we still need to do the practical. So I was on a road trip and I... um had to go through a lot of areas where there wasn't radio you know you can only listen to so much music and I wanted to to do something that was a bit more I suppose educational so there were a a couple of podcasts actually not too many (laughs) a couple um that I sort of downloaded those shows and listened and then I got to areas and I think well I've run out of podcasts I need and I actually started off to have a daily podcast so um we did that for for I think the first 500 episodes, I think, 500, okay, 400 yeah. episodes, quite a few episodes. Then we went to three times a week. So even at three times a week, there's still a fair bit of content out there. Yeah. And I think our, you know, just thinking about our numbers, you know, our listeners went up and then dropped a bit when we went to three times a week, but now they're up higher than what they were seven times a week anyway. So, Are they subscribers, do you think? Some people subscribe. They don't need to. I think it's better if they do because then that way they can go back and there's a bit of a record of what they listen to and what they haven't listened to. And when a new one comes up, then they'll say, right, well, I haven't listened to that. But it's also a little bit of, um, you know, if they go to the website and they're particularly interested in a particular area because I just want to talk to horse people. You know, I'm not restricting it to just show jumping or just one particular area. I want to talk to horse people because a lot of horse people are all of the same mind and it's like that secret that you said before, you know, about there's the secret that's so close between a horse and rider, you know, just a horse and the person. It's always the horse. It's Yeah, it's always the horse and the person. So no matter what you go off to do, you've still got that bond. So while I have, you know, I still do stuff with my horses and I still have the college and everything, but I think the the podcast has allowed me to just talk to a lot more people and talk about horses, you know, talk about yeah. feeding horses. Well, 
different people have different ways of feeding horses and training horses, but there's still a lot of commonalities between, you know, someone that's got a cutting horse and someone that's got a stud or or a dressage horse or, you know, there's, yep. there's so much yep, that's similar. Totally. And, and the handling, and I think, you know, I love bringing the science into it as well because I think there's a lot more science now that's proving old wives' tales or disproving yes. them. And I think we either yeah, need to prove them true. or disprove them and, and good when we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we need to know a little bit about you. So tell us, you were eventing? I loved eventing. It's just sort of, I always say that um, I'm an eventer by nature because I'm not active right now. And I had my first bone density test when I turned 50 years old, and it's changed my opinion about galloping around in those huge, you know, fields with those obstacles that don't fall down and and also riding the naughtiest horse in the barn. Like I had a career out of riding the horse that no one else wanted to ride. And I'm moving into a different mindset now just for... I don't know, self-preservation in my old age or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm an inventor by nature. Okay. And mostly I just want to go out and hack. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to go out and travel the world with my horse buddy and get our little exercise workout together while we bond and have fun. And I have a huge interest also in driving more recently, you know, combined driving and pleasure driving. Yes, which is such a strange, small, expensive, elitist world. You know, it's tiny. It is a small world, but I can see it growing and improving all the time. I'm actually on a working party now that's, you know, on a couple of different, I'm always <laughs> doing different things. But, yeah, we, um, I was talking to someone last night about something that we're doing with the driving and just the improving in the dressage tests and um now in Australia, we're, we're, you know, using dressage judges. So I sort of come in, oh, uh, nice. the dressage judges, combining the two, you know, so that the driving improves with the knowledge of the dressage judges. Yes. Well, because the test makes the training that people do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what's your horse background? Oh, because you okay. never hear it. Like in any of the podcasts <laughs> I've listened to, um, we don't hear anything about you. Eventing, eventing mainly, but you know, started in pony club and came up oh, and um, pony club, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when I was in the states, actually, I was eventing. So we had someone from USET come down to give us regular workshops, and I okay. was in an eventing barn. So that was Rocking Horse Ranch in Florida, and I was in that yeah. barn. I worked there for a while, and um, yeah, got hooked on eventing, and then came back to Australia and went. I'm an adventurer now, you know, and I, and I think um, uh, loved it, just loved it, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, just straight away. But then also, too, you're an eventer, so you also go out and do some show jumping. You also go out and right. do some dressage. So, you know, competed exactly. at FBI and sort of jumped at, at Royals and have done a few three days. So, But I think that's my competitive background. Um, right. And how many horses, like how active hands-on are you these days? Oh, no, I, I just have one horse that I ride mainly. I shouldn't say that because I teach on a few and I'll jump on and jump on the horses when I teach. Yeah, so probably not as not competitive now, but I still do right. a lot, you know, and do a lot more. And I think um, 
very much in the way of horse right. behaviour, I think. You know, like watching horses yes. and communicating and letting them tell you things. And, yeah, so I'm lucky enough to have quite a few horses here and have staff and I can um, – I remember I was working in a racehorse stable one time for TJ Smith and it's Gay Waterhouse's father and he would come along and just walk through the stable and then at the end of it he'd say, well, there's that wrong and that wrong and that wrong and that wrong, you know. And he, he, <laughs> well, you weren't even looking at that, you know. But people, yeah, um, because yeah, one member of staff will sort of meet someone who's worked for me before and say, you've got to watch her because she, <laughs> she does those things. And I think, I don't mean to, but then you just do, you can't help it. You know, you just walk right. around and you see things that are wrong. So, yeah. One of the things that media has done for me, like, is that I, like the more I learn about horses, the more I want to know, you know, all these unique little disciplines or interests or like you said the science that's coming into it yeah I want to know more about their how chewing impacts their gut health yes 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 it all comes together and uh, about wetting down feed or not wetting down feed and if you leave them with water and don't wet the feed then they may chew more and and that might um, be better for the gut health you know just little things like that but it's like I wouldn't say that for sure because, you know, I might ask someone and they'll say, oh, no, that's fine, you, you know, that you don't, you can wet down feed um, and certainly wet down feed when it's dusty or, you know, or it shouldn't be dusty anyway. But, you know, I think, I think you always learn. You always learn and it's always interesting talking to people. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I noticed about your, I don't know, model or podcast or project that you're doing is that you – launched it with the idea of reaching the rising stars in the horse world. So I was thinking that that's not just the established equine industry experts, but like the younger people. Mm, mm. But none of the podcasts I've connected to so far. (laughs) I've got the rising stars. I think the idea is I've got a couple of interviews and then uh, interview them a little bit later when they're Okay. Have proven oh, have proven that they've concept. been a rising star. Okay, great concept. Yeah, I've just started working with some students at the University of Guelph. So once again, I might steal your idea. <laughs> yes, we'll interview them now and ask their opinion on a few yes. different things, and then um, you can interview them. Yeah, a little bit later. Actually, I've got someone that I did interview two years ago, and I'm about to do another interview with them and ask them their opinions on a few other things mm. and then put nice. it all together. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the idea. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... If you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats kim tell me what do you think 
is the best thing about working in the industry. Now, thinking that you're in the same as I am, you know, this is what we yeah. do, your radio, radio podcast, what's the best thing that you think? And this is just generally working in the horse industry. You know, why do people get into the horse industry? Why do you think? For me personally, it's just the horse. It's the smell of them. It's the sound of them chewing. It's the way they look at me and I know where they're seeing me in their range of vision. You know, it's just that I just want to be around them all the time. So I don't mind carrying the heavy load, you know, or lifting the heavy wheelbarrow or whatever it is to do the work to be around them. So if I can't ride them, I still want to be around them just to watch them and see them and smell them and hear them. Yes, yes. You know, you talk about carrying the load and the heavy wheelbarrow, but there's a certain amount of fitness that comes in there. It's not just, oh, damn, I've got to do this. I mean, sometimes you do say that, but then, you know, you you look at other people or you, you know, people think, oh, gee, you're fit. Well, I didn't plan to be fit. I just planned to go and (laughs) all I wanted to do was go for a ride. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's also that, you know, like nowadays I spend a lot of time in a in a work environment with like naturopaths and sort of people focused on human wellness. And there's a lot of talk about nature, you know, getting out where there's trees or vegetation or fresh air and sky and nature. And then you plop my favorite animal right in the middle of all that good for you nature. Yes. I can't, I can't stay away. I just love it. Yeah. 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 I think it's something about the lifestyle of it. I just put a video out actually. I put it on um, Facebook and it's only a very short one. And basically it's about a girl who was out riding. She met someone who was lost. So she gave him some directions. And then he said to her, what do you do? And she said, I'll ride a few horses, teach a couple of lessons, go to some competitions. And then he says, no, I mean, what do you do for a job to earn a living? And she said, right. ride a few horses, teach a couple of lessons, you know, go to some competitions. And then he said, yeah. have, you, have you ever thought about sort of doing something different? You could do this, you know, this, 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 and, you know, you could make a lot of money and And imagine if you could do anything in the world, what would you like to do? You know, if you could do anything, money was no object, what would you like to do? And she said, ride a couple of horses, teach a couple (laughs) of You know, so it's sort of a a lifestyle that I think money really can't buy. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. But but the horse industry itself, I think, you know, that work within the industry, you know, I can remember being at school and your guidance officers would always say, well, you can't work with horses because there's no future, there's no job, there's no career. Right. And then yeah. I met a really good guidance officer and he said to me, doesn't matter what you do because you're female and you'll only work a couple of years, then you'll get married uh-huh. and never work again. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> brilliant, what a good excuse. So, um, yep. Right. Yeah, so it was always, you know, don't take me too serious because, you know, I'm female. I'll never work again. I'll just get married and be happy in the kitchen and and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I think about some of the different areas of the horse industry and I think, wow, there's, you know, I mean, you, yourself, you know, you were eventing but you sort of wanted to bring in this whole media and everything and I've got a radio show. One thing I have found 
in the media side of things is when I try to like, let's say interview musicians, because I do have this musical interest and we have a column that we call riding with the stars. So if we go to someone's concert, we'll meet with them after to find out if they have any experience at all with horses and get them to introduce one of their songs that they think horse lovers will like on the radio kind of thing. Oh, okay. But I've done some other radio projects as well and sort of filled other roles at the campus station here and there. And what I didn't appreciate about horse people right away is that when I started my show, I was like, well, just show up. Here's the room number, you know, just show up. And I'm going to say, what's your current involvement with horses? And then an hour is going to go by and the radio show will be done. And that's what would happen. I did hundreds and hundreds of shows. And then I was doing other volunteer things. And I tried to do that kind of setup with a member of the general public. And they're just not ready to speak on radio about their passion instantly as soon as you put a microphone in front of them. But horse people are just used to, in my experience, like they just will show up and tell you what they love about the animal. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No dress rehearsal, no preemptive. Don't send me the list of questions. I'll just come and tell you everything. Talk about horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, it's funny because some people, you know, come to me and they say, I want to talk about feeding. I want to talk about horse care. I want to talk about how to pick the right horse, how to. And you sort of think the next show will just be the same as the last one, but it's just not. It's just different everyone is different everyone that comes on is different they've all got their own slant on the way that they do things and particularly when you start to bring in a few different disciplines and a a few different backgrounds and a few different types of horses and a few different areas where horses are kept and fed and everything everything is different different experience different expert that they learned from whatever it is yep yep and even two people learning from the same person they still have a different Absolutely. Yep. 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 All right. And now just thinking, you know, about horse people, what do you think they've got in their character that is different to other people? You know, like say a musician who might be passionate about their music, but a horse person can get on and talk forever about the horse. What do you think is in the person's character? Interesting. That makes them a bit different, that makes them get that special connection with horses. I feel like there's an element of the work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in so many industries, you have to be patient and you have to be tenacious and you have to be disciplined. You know, I think about the musicians that have to work from home, like you have to work every day. Yes, yes. But with horse people, there's so much of that. And then there's also this empathy, this motivation that, oh, I don't really feel like doing my workout today, but I will because my horse needs their workout. Mm-hmm. Or I don't really feel like trudging through the snowbank in the wintry cold right now, but I will do it because I have to break the ice in the water bucket <laughs> so the horse can have a drink. Yep. There's that caring for someone else. Yes, and having that responsibility seven days a week, public holidays. And like as you Absolutely. say, you know, where yeah. Doesn't matter what the weather's yeah. like, doesn't matter what anything is like, you've just got to get up and you've just got to do it. 
Yeah. If you were going to say, and I know you said about your sponsor, you know, and they obviously influenced you a bit with horses. Anyone else that you think has influenced? Uh, well, uh, we haven't touched on sort of the current state of affairs, but um, one of my best mentors is closing the barn doors right now because of this pandemic and the fact that she has nine school horses and zero revenue to support them. Yep, yep. Today and next month and sort of for the foreseeable future. So Margaret Godson is a Canadian hero, in my opinion. Jeez, I started riding with her when I was 12. She turned me on to Pony Club. She is an eventer. So when she started eventing, I always loved this. There were three levels. There was preliminary, intermediate, and advanced. So my goal has always been to event at least at the prelim level because that's all there was when my coach got started. Mm -hmm. And the whole family has a really horsey background and she's just really well-rounded, you know, like she cares about... I, I almost want to say the spirituality of her horses. Like she's not just looking after them physically and developing good riders and good horses, but she's caring about the emotions of these people and the mental health of all of these beings at the same time. Yep. Yep. So I've been inspired by her all my life. And, you know, I kind of come and go. Sometimes I teach out of her riding academy and sometimes I'm off doing my own things or every once in a while I have a horse project I can ride there uh so you know like we come and go but I sort of feel like I always want to go to the Christmas gym canna I always want to check in on her birthday in May <laughs> she's a really really important mentor so the fact after 41 years She's holding a fundraiser to try to raise, you know, retirement funds for the two oldest school horses and trying to lease out the other ones. It's a really, it's a really huge time. Yeah. If she's organizing a fundraiser, we should put that on the link to your page as well, which will be at horsechats.com slash Kim Logue. We'll um, put that on your page and that'll come up when you podcast comes up and I think that's that's important because I think we're horse people and we're all in this together and you know it's a worldwide pandemic and some countries are affected worse than others and I think we just need to get in and, and do what we can to help people yeah we, we've you know got the same problem here because you have a certain income from lessons well the income from lessons has to pay for the horse feed you know that's just the, you have your income, you pay your staff, you pay your horse feed because your horses are working for you and they're members of your staff, you know. So we've got to pay staff, look after them because they're the ones that produce the income in the first place. Yeah. And I just think about these horses and how many people they have taught to ride, mm, mm. you know, and they've taken them from from the very beginning when they're afraid to even walk in the barn or you know, they don't know where to stand or how to feed a horse a carrot to like being out on the cross country course and and handling some of those obstacles out there. Yes. Yes. So so much service. 
In Ontario, the provincial sport office has just launched sort of a, uh, I think it's called Save the Schoolies or or School Horses in Need or something. But there's like 1,500 school horses in Ontario that they're trying to support right now. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll gladly send a link along in case there's people worldwide that are different stages or different financial situations that can pitch in. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. How long are you guys? Like, uh, how's your life changed since this all started, your horse life? Uh, well, because I'm lucky enough to live on acreage and keep my horse here, you know, I can still sort of do horse things, but I'm not doing, you know, because I said before that I do a lot of practical assessments for the college practical training so as far as the college goes while people are still doing online study and they can do you know I mean a course is fairly flexible that they can enroll now study online and then when things die down a bit they can do their practical assessments and practical training at a later stage you know but at least get in and and get that started it's probably going to um you know affect more people towards the end of their course that although we do normally try and do it that they, they do training throughout their course. It's just that at the moment we just can't do any training, right. any of that practical right. training. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's Very just, differently. Yeah, yeah, so it's our students trying to work out with them. You know, they're trying to, um, you know, organise to get some training, but we've got to keep this social distancing so it's not quite as easy as what we normally would. So. I think, um, you know, when we don't have to keep the social distancing, we will recover. But a riding school that leases part of my property, uh, well, it's a club. It's not a riding school. It's a club that has lessons and they've been, you know, affected quite a lot because most of their lessons are beginner lessons. So beginner lessons, they've got to be there. They help them tack up the horse. They put them on the lunge. They, um, you know, get them going. They help them mount so that whole social distancing can't come in for them. So they've lost all their income from lessons, but lucky there's a little bit of income then from adjustment, you know, which is like livery or boarding, you know, so there's some there, you know. So so, um, I think we're all taking a hit, I think, um, without getting into politics. I think there's a country that's got a um, certain amount of answering to do, you know, of procedures that were put in place in the early stages, but I think we'll... um, you know, we'll let the politicians sort that one out. Yeah, I'm I'm scared for the future because I feel like we were already a disappearing demographic. I remember at the Equine Industry Symposium in Guelph a couple of years ago, I learned that the average age of a horse person in Canada was 65 years old. Wow. So I felt like the expertise in the human population was disappearing rapidly. And now I'm worried about the closure of so many facilities with these, you know, experts at the helm. Where, where did they get those figures from? That's fairly old, you know, because that, that uh, means for every 16-year-old yeah. there's got to be someone over 100. or 100. They, they published it in Horse Canada. I'm sure I could rustle up the link and send it to you. Mm. It was... Um, yeah, it really resonated with me when they they were showing the the giant economic impact as well, <laughs> which you don't like at a horse farm in Ontario. I don't feel that there's a lot of money, 
you know, or affluence all around. But when you do the math of how much those hay bales cost and how much that paddock is worth in real estate value, like the economic impact was also stunning. Mm, so I'll see mm. if I can send you that, that article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's, um, you know, a certain amount of belief that you work with horses. It's like my guidance officer said, you know, you work with horses, you'll just never had a career and, you know, you'll always be picking up manure for the rest of your life because that's pretty much the only horse job, you know, in, in his opinion um, that right. there was. But I think, you know, as you go on, you talk about the horse industry, there's so many professionals in the horse industry. There's so many things that, and they cross, and we talk about the horse industry it's not always specifically, you know, because if we look even at this podcast, I'm thinking I'm working in the horse industry, but I'm sure that some statistics are going to say that we're in the podcast industry or the media industry, you know. So horses are involved in so many other different industries. Um, True. And I think that's, yeah. uh, that's important. Yeah. 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 I've absolutely enjoyed chatting to you today, Kim, but what have you got? Normally I ask people what they've got planned, you know, for in the future. What are you looking forward to with the horses? I know you're going to be helping with this fundraiser, but yeah, anything else I, we need to be aware of? I'm excited because there's a couple of uh, University of Guelph students coming on board, hopefully over the summer and into the fall. So we'll be launching some new segments on hoof beats mm-hmm. and I have a new column in a, um, a provincial horse magazine coming up. So that, that actually feels like pressure. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is a new project after write an article. <laughs> and um, when all the dust settles, I really have to forge out some riding time because I don't have a horse in my backyard here. And with the place I was teaching sort of closing its doors and a bunch of things changing, I have like a pretty clean slate to create some more saddle time in my future. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I think, you know, the amount of people that say, if I had a clean slate, I could do this and this and this. And then all right. of a sudden the slate's not yeah. clean anymore. <laughs> There's too many projects yeah. on the ball. Yeah, I think I'm at the stage where I've got, I do have quite a few projects and it's just a matter of prioritising, you know, what's the most important project at this moment, at yeah. this time, yeah. Yeah, and, you uh, record and Skype, and how much editing do you do? None, none. You're going to get the, the whole thing, everything you've said, that's it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll stop talking then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a, I do send it off to someone. So if there's any sort of background noise, it's more to do with the quality. Yeah. And there was something there. I'm not sure if someone came in and, and was talking to you. There was a little bit of background there that might get edited out. At so. one point I lost you on the headphones. So I, I took you out of headphones and just went, used the computer mic. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. But that's the sort of I- thing because we're on two tracks. It can be, you know, just, in, it's just more improving the quality. So, um, yeah. All right. Now, great to talk to you, Kim. I think, um, yeah, really good. And and I think any time we can chat again in the future, I think that'd be really good. Okay, amazing. Thank you so very much for your time. I can't wait to keep in touch. All right. Good to talk to you. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 